Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. And welcome back to the program again this week. And as you can see, I have a guest on the program again this week. Last week, uh, my son and I started to discuss some things that he's been teaching from the book of Joshua. And we're going to continue that conversation again this week. And thank you for joining in. If you missed last week, uh, you can go back to our YouTube channel and watch it on demand. And if you while you're there, just subscribe to it and you'll be able to be notified every time we put a new program up because everything we air on the television program, we always archive there and uh, you can watch it. There's also an audio portion of this that you can get on iTunes and for an RSS feed for your Android device. And the easiest way to do that is go to my website that's on the screen. And there's a direct link in the upper right-hand corner to this where you can re-listen to some of the things that's being said. We're talking about entering the promised land, and we're talking about it from the viewpoint of moving from the bondage of um, an old covenant paradigm. Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, old covenant. Joshua is now on the scene. Moses brought them out with a rod. Joshua brings them in with a mercy seat. And when he brings them in with a mercy seat, he holds a view of of an Ark of the Covenant before the people until all Israel crosses over. So we're talking about moving from law to grace. Mm -hmm. We're talking about moving from an old covenant to a new covenant. Moses brought you out. Joshua, whose name is the Hebrew name Jesus, only Jesus can bring you in. And uh, uh, once again, my son is on the program with me today. This is my oldest son, Jeremy, who is the pastor of Word That Frees, Winchester, Virginia. They are kind of in a holding right now because the building they were using uh, is no longer available. If you're in Winchester and you know of a place, you need to contact him because they're looking for a building to be able to meet again in person. So you could contact him through us or through uh, some information that maybe one of our team will put on the screen. But it's great to have you again on the program. So jump in there anywhere you want to, because I, I know this is kind of your cup of tea talking about Joshua. So That's always good to be here. You know, we have, uh, like I said last week, you know, we had uh, when when the world, when, you know, we were all forced into quarantine and stuff and we started having to do an on, our online service, I just decided that this was a strategic, I need to be strategic with what we were teaching, not just for the people that were able to tune in and listen, but because there is an availability once it's on the web to be able to access it even later on. And so I thought, you know, this is time of not just having something that's available for what was happening for today, but for future generations that are looking to get a hold of some stuff that helps them bring into transition, helps them to have some some good strategic teachings and solid teachings and begin to be able to open the word for them. And so even uh, we've had even um, just since we've been doing live streams and, and things like that, just even people from other countries that's able to watch and and getting a hold of it. I've gotten messages even from other places that are saying, you know, you don't know how valuable this is. And so it's just been a strategic time for us. And so um, I just determined that I'm going, if I'm going to put something online that's available forever, I'm going to be strategic with the teaching that's be giving something that's available. And so again, we started with the words in red, and then we had talked 
uh, from the book of Romans. And then I've really felt to go back to this book of uh, Joshua. And one of the things I, you know, when we, we talk about the book of Joshua and we said last week, you know, we talked about the word repentance, the mind change and, and the transition that these, these people were literally in from a wilderness into the promised land, God bringing them into the promised land. But I love history and I love the story. You know, I love kind of looking at the story. And, uh, you know, when you talk about the, when you talk about the children of Israel, they had been slaves for a long time. So you, when you think about their life as slaves, they were not in, they were not in control of their life. Yeah. Every aspect of their life was controlled by the Egyptians. So when they got up in the morning, what time they went to bed, what work they were going to be doing, you know, and and everything, you know, what food they would have. And so when God brings them out of that brings them out of Egypt and into the wilderness, there is, they spent years going, you know, well, Moses, did you bring us out here to die? At least in Egypt, we had leeks and garlics. In Egypt, we had this, and, and you know, and they're constantly complaining and, and, and bringing you, but they don't, it's almost like they forgot the, what they came out of. It's yeah. like they remembered, it was almost like they forgot the, the, yeah. the hardships of those yeah. times. They only remembered, you know, what I remember, you know, and it kind of reminds me somewhat, sometimes even of the church and sometimes how we are, it's like, you know, you hear some some people like they go, well, I remember back in the the good old remember the good old days when people used to, you know, we used to have these revivals and people would be in church forever. And but, you know, so, and, and not that those things were bad. Those were good things. But there's transition that we've got to allow every generation to make those transitions because we are getting we are not we're not trying to hold on to the past of the old covenant. We're trying to move into the fullness and the abundance of what God has for us. And, you know, when you think about even those past moves of God, there was good things about them, but they weren't the fullness of stuff. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of bad things yeah. that happened in there those was days. There and in Egypt. Yeah, forget about. You yeah. know, and, and, and uh, you know, even people who, you know, uh, you know, their kids or something didn't didn't come to church or there was something and it was almost like they lived in the fear that their kids were going to go to hell or their kids were going to not, you know, and there, so there was, while there was good things that were happening in those past moves of God, there was also some things that God was wanting to transition us out of and, and get rid of that slave mentality. God is not wanting, in other words, let me say it like this. God is not wanting us to remain in slavery and in subjection to him. He's wanting to move us into a form of sonship in which we can just get together with him and, and move with him. And, not, you know, we, we, we read scriptures and go, well, his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And that's true under an old covenant. But in the new covenant, that's not the case. He wants us, he wants to share his we thoughts with us. We have the mind us. of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Yeah. He wants to show us his ways. He, you know, he wants to show us, he wants us to get together with him so he, we can walk with him in the cool of the day and he can show you exactly how, this is how I would do it. You know, kind of like when I think about the difference between even when I was a kid to now in our relationship as father and son, there was a time as when I was living in your house as a kid, you know, and, and I was, in, I was subject to you in ways, you know, cause you were teaching me how to, I couldn't handle, there's certain things in my immaturity that I couldn't handle. And there was things that, that you, there were things that sometimes you had to tell me, I, you have to do this. This is your chores. This is what I expect of you. But as I got older, and I moved out and our relationship had to evolve and it had to change because now you don't tell me like, this is what you got to do. 
Now you got, we get you you come to our house and I'll say, Dad, you know, uh, I'm looking to make a decision on something. What I just want your opinion on it. Well, then you would say, Well, son, if it was me, this is the kind of things I did. This is stuff me and your mom did to get to we are now. And 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 because I began to listen to you and learn from you, it's I've come I've kind of you know where you took a while in your life to get to a certain comfort or whatever. I've learn from you and learn how to do things early on in life to get where I've almost gotten to a place where I'm a little bit ahead of you in some ways, you know, and I think that's how it's supposed to be. And even yeah. with the father, he's, that's what the father's looking to do with us in the new covenant. When we were under the old covenant, we were in chains and bondage and we were in slavery. Uh, the one scripture says that, you know, that the, uh, the law was a schoolmaster until the time we would come into the maturity of sonship. And so, you know, and that, they would say, is the law bad? Well, it's not, it's not bad. It was just that there was a purpose to it to bring us to this, but we're not meant to stay under that, that tutorship and that bondage of that law. We're meant to come to a place of maturity where we're able to be one with the Father. That's why Jesus would say uh, from Matthew, or from uh, uh, John chapter 13 to, the, I believe it was the 17th chapter, and he begins to teach his disciples in the day, before, in the night before he is taken on how to be one with the Father. He says, me and my Father, we're one. And what our prayer is that you be one, even as we are one. We want to show you our ways. We want to take up our abode in you. We want to come and take up our residence with you and and, and teach you our ways where you're not just living as the slaves in, in bondage, but we want to bring you into a sonship and in, in a place where where we are, you are as well. In other words, you know, when I think about that, I think about the Father getting to a certain place, you know, the Heavenly Father being in a certain place of wealth, and a certain place of stability. And he's saying to his sons, I don't want to just, I don't want to always be up here ahead of you and above you and telling you, look how great I am. I want to bring you up to the place yep. where I am. That's why Paul would even, when he would write about identity, he the last thing he would say is that seeing that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places so that God is not lording above us. He's trying to bring us to the yep. place where he's yep. seated so that the things that he's doing, the things that he is, the stability, the wealth, the, the, uh, you know, the, the righteousness, the peace and the joy of the kingdom. He's brought us to that same place, that same location so that where he is, we may be also. And so when I look at, when I'm, you know, when I began to look at this book of Joshua, I tried to think about it from the perspective of these people. They had been slaves for a long time. So their mentality was, Somebody's, somebody had to provide for me. I, I, I didn't have no choice. There's no, so, you know, because you, you think about like, well, Never back in Egypt. freedom. I don't even want yeah. to do freedom. Well, yeah. even when you think about, because I've heard you even teach like, you know, well, they're looking back and going, you know, well, at least back in Egypt, we had leeks and garlics. Well, you know, I, you can't make a meal out of leeks and garlics, you know, but that's what they're looking back to and, and, and remembering because that's the, that's the stuff that was provided to them. Yeah. So their their taste buds as even the stuff that would have been these are just garnishes or stuff to add flavor to a better meal. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I use I've learned to cook over the over the pandemic and everything, and I I use garlic a lot because garlic adds flavor. But it, you don't eat garlic by itself because yeah. it's very strong and you're, yeah. nobody wants to be around you when yeah. you're done. But if you use it right, it brings some real flavor to the other foods that you have. But they're looking back and going, boy, back in Egypt. We had leeks and garlics and melons yeah. and melons yeah. and you know and they're looking back as that's something of extravagance when God has got them and saying you know what I want to bring you into a land that's not just leeks and garlics I want to bring you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey some sweet stuff 
that taste good. I've got that there's some vineyards in there that you did not plant. There's some, there's some availability of just some abundance of food that when you enter into this promised land, if you would just change your mind about where I want to bring you and, and, and believe me about what I say about this land, then you're going to forget about the leeks and garlics and you're going to come into something that's better and more abundant. But because they were so, uh, their mindset was so much on the slavery and so much on that bondage and just being told what to do, they had a hard transition that when, the, when even, when, like I said, when uh, they spent 40 years in that wilderness, longer than what they should have been. That was, yep. God didn't want them. Yep. He was going to bring them in much sooner than that. Yep. They wandered around a wilderness because they refused to believe that this land was for them and that God wanted to bring them and he was going to drive the inhabitants out from before them. Yep. And so, you know, when I think about that, you know, even in our today, sometimes we have lived, again, in the bondages of the old covenant, the slavery of the old covenant, being told, you know, we were used to going to church and being told, you know, well, this is what you got to do, this, this, and this, yep. you know, and if you do this, then you'll get, you'll one day get to go to heaven, or you'll one day got to be happy enough with you to maybe bless you, and 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 we're always, it's always out into the future, yep. once I get enough, and it's, we look back, and then because because we're never in that place or in that moment of where we really feel like this is good or this is happy or I feel like I'm living in a place where God is really loving me and accepting me, we look back at past moves and go, well, back there, remember back in that day when God was just pouring out His Spirit upon people and people were getting the Holy Ghost. Remember the great moves where people were getting healed and it just seems like, but if we, if we really even look back at those times, those times would happen in only certain small places and you had to travel to get there if you didn't travel to that. You know, even the Azusa Street Revival yeah, that we look yeah. at. Great move of God. I, I don't have no nothing bad to say about it, but it's not the fullness of the promised land. Yeah. And during the Azusa Street, it was in Azusa Street. Yeah. So in order to experience what was happening there, you had to be in that location. Yeah. You had to go there. Whereas the abundance of the kingdom is not that we're just God wanting to pour out His Spirit in one location in the earth. He's wanting, to pour, he's wanting to pour out His Spirit upon the whole earth. Yeah. He wants the whole earth to be filled with His glory. Yeah. You know? And so when we look at those kinds of things in this transition of Joshua, that's the things I begin to see. That's the stuff that I see the Lord really speaking to us in this time, is that it's time that we get a mentality that's not just looking back or just hoping for that old past or staying in that time where you know, we're under that bondage, but really coming to the understanding of sonship, where we cross this Jordan, and we enter into the fullness. But one of the things that one of the first things that happened when they got across that Jordan is that there had been 40 years of people not being circumcised. And that was one of the the in the old covenant, that was the picture of, you know, if you were uh it, it, that was the that was the sign of the covenant. Yeah. And so they come to a place called the Hill of Foreskin. Yeah. And it's a you know, not so it, when you really understand what he's talking about, yeah. it wasn't there wasn't a hill named the Hill of Foreskin before they got there. Yeah. It means there was, you know, about three million people that got circumcised, and so it created a whole hill yeah. of 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 circumcision. Yeah. <laughs> you know, trying to keep this a little bit. But the purpose of that was is that God was bringing them into the covenant and it really spoke to me of where Christ said, you know, you're not going to be circumcised by the flesh, but you're going to be circumcised by the heart. Yeah. In the new covenant, we are not circumcised yeah. in the flesh. We are circumcised in the heart. Our heart has been changed, that we got a heart of God. We got a heart of passion. And so one of the first things they had to be had to happen once they enter into that promised land is there had to be a circumcision, a cutting away of that flesh or a reminder of that 
that whole wilderness and that whole slavery, they had to have that stuff cut off so they could really enter into this promised land with a pure heart of understanding that God has brought us in here. And if God has brought us in here, that he's going to make the provisions of all the things he said he would do. Mm-hmm. It is him, again, it's him driving out the inhabitants from yeah. before us. It's, it is God is the victor in this. We're just getting with him. When you think about the first victory that took place in the promised land was at Jericho. It was a walled city. And they never had to. Pick, they didn't have to pick up a weapon to defeat it. All they did was march around it and listen to what the word of the Lord was, yep. and in listening to what God told them to do and just being obedient to the move of God in that moment, it brought victory to them without them having to be swords and spears. And 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 yep. it was God bringing the victory to this thing. Mm-hmm. And so you know when I began to really see that, and for this day, is that man, there are some walls. Yes, in America, in the world right now. There are some things that look like they are mighty walled cities. Yep. Looks like there's some giants living in this thing. And we, we can look at it and go, boy, because again, sometimes we're so, like you said, taking a fast from the news or, and taking a fast from social media. I think that's something that a lot of people probably could do right now. I think that's more important fast than fasting from food. Yep. Is because really what steals our faith right now is that stuff when it's constantly in our face telling us, look how bad it is. Look how bad it is. Yep. Look what they're trying to do. Look what, you know. You know, it's like you hear people all the time, you know, read this before Facebook takes it down, you know, and it's constant fear of like somebody's trying to do something. I don't, you know, and and while I am an American and I love America, my first, my first uh, residence is not America. My first residence is the kingdom. Yep, that's right. And as a citizen of the kingdom, there's some things that I'm here to do and there's a purpose in my life and there's some power that I have. The kingdom of God, in other words, is not, is, is, he says it's not meat or drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and it's joy located in the Holy Ghost. Man, I was, when I really began to see that a couple months ago when we began to teach on, on the Facebook and, and on live stream, is that the key, really seeing what the aspects of the kingdom are, that's righteousness. The first thing the kingdom is, is righteousness. Mm-hmm. And while... I'm, and I'm not, from as a citizen of the kingdom and as a son of God, I'm not working for that righteousness. Right. It is a righteousness that as uh, as Thank I you. was, in Adam, I was born in sin, but in Christ, I am born into righteousness. I'm made righteous yeah. because of what Jesus did. So when I begin to realize that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ because of what Jesus did, well, that's the first aspect of the kingdom. Because when I really believe that's true of me, righteous things begin to happen. I begin to live righteously yeah. because I believe that's what's true of me. Again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Where we need faith is not to just see people healed. Well, we need that too. But really, as citizens of the kingdom, we need the faith to know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ and we begin to live righteously because that's who we are. Then when you get that, then there's the peace that begins to come because I realize I'm not at odds with God and he's not against me. He's very much for me. And so when I see things happening in the world, it doesn't move me. It's not causing a... a, a, a you know, an unease, but I begin to live in the peace that, you know, where Paul would say even this, to live as Christ, to die as gain, no matter what, my citizenship, my my eternity can start now, but it's forever, no matter what happens to maybe this physical body. But 
you know, if the Spirit of Christ dwells in you, it also begins to quicken this mortal body, yep. begins to make things come back alive again. Yep. And there begins to be a power of the Holy Spirit that begins to operate in us, but it brings a peace no matter what's happening around me. I've got a peace knowing that God is for me, He's not against me, and that He is my provider. He's my He's my sustaining power. He is my healer. He's my He's my everything, and I begin to live in a peace of the kingdom right here in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of uh, 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 what's happening around me, what looks like it's bad. I began to live in peace, and when I have a peace with God, then all of a sudden there's a joy, an unspeakable joy that begins to take over. Where I begin to live my life, I begin to look over my kids, and I'm not fearful about the world they're, they're growing up in, but I start having a joy of realizing, man, they're, they're experiencing the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. I have my little was or my seven year old started back to school this week, and she started. Uh, uh, she's in a being homeschooled, but it's like we use in a Christian homeschooling. But they were talking about you know heaven. You know they're describing heaven in this place, and and you know they're talking about what heaven looks like. And if you're a good little boy and little girl, when you die, you get to go there. And my daughter looked at me and she said, "Dad, I thought we were already living in heaven." And I was never a prouder moment in my life when she yeah. said that because what I realized, she's not waiting for someday I get to enjoy the fruits of heaven. I get to live in that right here, right now. Yeah. And if there's one thing I can give to the world right now is the kingdom, the righteousness, the peace, and the joy that you begin to enjoy the fruits of heaven right here, right now, and begin to enter into some houses you did not build and some vineyards you did not plant. Um, and long enjoy the fruit of it, he said, yeah. you know, and so, you know, that's God's intention for us. That's God's heart. You know, I was thinking while you were saying that Deuteronomy says, and this is one of the things I was teaching right before the pandemic hit. I believe it's Deuteronomy 10. He said, for the land where thou goest in to possess is not like the land you came out of where you had to till the ground and carry the water from the Nile River and work it with your foot. But the land where you're about to go is a place the Lord your God cares for. It's a place where the rain and the dew of heaven are always, where the eyes of the Lord are always upon it. So what, what he's talking about again there is moving from how it used to be when you were a slave. You had yeah. to work the land, you had to till the ground, you had to sweat labor and fight for everything you got. And like you said, I think sometimes our mentality must be lifted to a place where we start thinking bigger. It's It's, you know, when you came... You know, even as over the years of ministry and stuff and my growth, I came from a, a background of seven children, you know, and, and really, uh, you know, some pretty, pretty good poverty. And it takes a little while as you begin to grow, even in prosper, you know, to not lose, you know, to lose kind of a poverty mentality. Mm -hmm. you, you take, for instance, people that were raised even before my generation, like my mom and dad and people that grew up during the Great Depression, they still have a tendency to hoard things. They never get rid of anything because it's always like a security blanket. It's like we can't think beyond that God is able to really, and I'm not saying it's not wrong to, you know, no. to preserve and, and, and be smart, but but there has to be a change of thinking, you know, and how we think about things that uh, our, our God is pretty big. And when you start to, to see how that progressively you begin to think differently. I was, I was thinking the other day again, you know, the first you know, but this is 42 years of full-time traveling ministry for us. But my wife and I were talking the other evening on the porch about uh, the first tape machine we bought. We bought a, a little, uh, you know, that's back in the days of cassette tape, a little one plus one. It would do one tape at a time. She had to type the labels by hand and the addresses by hand before we even had computers. And I can remember what a huge step of faith it was to buy a 
copy machine that was 300 and something dollars with 100 tapes. And I thought, man, that was just, I mean, that was a stretch of faith. But now as I look at, you know, what our ministry does and what it needs today, I couldn't have done it except I grew in grace and I grew in my faith. Yeah. And so I think what, what, I, what I hear in this segment is you need to face what's in front of you yeah. and begin to overcome it. Because as it does, your faith grows. And then you go back and you can say, you know, I could, I could believe God for, you know, and I'm, I'm just talking about financial yeah. things for one thing, but there's a lot of things. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I could believe God for that tape machine. And then now I think about the machinery that we've had over the years where we had multiple machines of CDs that were producing machines till yeah. today. We don't do much of it in-house. We, we, uh, you know, we have fulfillment companies that do our message of the month. And, and, you know, the, uh, you know, the TV studio, the uh, the t- airtime, all the stuff that has come to a place where even at that, if you just started without growing in it, yeah. you know, it would be overwhelming. But as you grow in it, you it, 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 the challenges are different. But the same God that was able to do the machine for that is able to pay a TV bill. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people that watch us know we don't really spend a lot of time trying to raise money because God has been faithful and our our partners have been faithful. even. And I just want to say thank you to that because our partners have been faithful even through this pandemic while we're not traveling nowhere near like we were traveling before, and crowds are off by probably 50% of what they were pre-COVID. Yeah. But God has been faithful. God's people have been faithful, and He has supplied the need. Even if He has to have the ravens bring it, He mm-hmm. supplies the need. And so I think sometimes we got to go back and remember the times when God met the need. Go back and rehearse and remember and and think again, like you said about the children yeah. of Israel. You know, you you would think it. You know, I think while you were saying that, you know, if you walked up to the Red Sea and you got an Egyptian army behind you and a Red Sea in front of you, and that bad boy stands up <laughs> and you walk over on dry land, when I got to the other side of this thing and it closed in on my enemy. I think at some point it would have dawned on me, hey, I think God must be for us. I mean, you, can you imagine the, the, you get up in the morning and mm-hmm. angels are delivering manna on your back. I mean, you don't even got to go to the grocery store and get it. You would think at some point it would dawn, God must be for us. Yeah. When water gushed out of a rock that was smitten by Moses, and he gave water to somewhere near 3 million people possibly in the wilderness, you would think God must be for us. You would think when you looked up at the sky and you saw a cloud by day and then a pillar of fire by night that gave you heat and light, this God must be for us. (laughs) When you see the Jordan River roll back, clear back to a city called Adam, and you cross over on dry land, you would think at some point faith would hit these people and say, God must be for us. But I think sometimes what happens is we forget all of the times when God has met us before. And if God has met us before, if He did it before, He can do it again. And at some point, it needs to dawn on us, God must be for us. And I want to challenge your heart with that today before we go off the air is, listen, go back and remember all the Lord has done. Don't just look at the the, uh, enemies that are in front of you or the walled cities. Look at how big our God is. He's a mighty God. 
and it, your faith will come to another place. Well, we're about to run out of time again, but we're going to come back again and uh, another program, talk some more. But if you'd like to sow into this ministry and help us to be able to continue to carry the gospel around the world, the easiest way to do it is go to our website. Right there it is on the screen, and there's a place where you can give via PayPal. You can use your credit card or your debit card to give a one-time gift, or you can set up a recurring payment. Or you can call the numbers on the screen and someone will take your call. Or you can send a check or money order to the addresses on the screen. Thank you for doing that today. God bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.